My topic for today is we were silent. And when I'm saying, when I use the word we, I'm talking about us as the body of Christ in South Africa. We had, coming into South Africa, abortion. One of the things that people don't really uh, always admit to regarding the Termination of uh, Pregnancy Act, or the Choice on Termination of Pregnancy Act, is um, that you can literally in South Africa have an abortion 24 hours before labor, legally. Right? There are no penalties enforceable in the Act. The Act is not a law, it's not an Act, it's a bunch of suggestions. If there's a law and there are no penalties for breaking the law, then it's not a law. It's just a bunch of ideas. So we've had an estimated 1.7 million babies that have been murdered in South Africa since abortion was legalized in 1996. Pornography, since 1991 flooding our country, um, the book pandemic, very well researched, says there was an increase of over 400% in four years in the 90s. Baby rapes in South Africa, 22,000 children up to the year preceding March 2020, um, over 20,000 sexually abused. We have the myth, the virgin cleansing myth in South Africa. The belief that having sex with a virgin girl cures a man of HIV AIDS or any other sexually transmitted diseases. Syndromas tell people these things. So the younger the, the child that you're raping, um, the greater chances that they don't have any kinds of diseases. So we have baby rapes happening in South Africa. Cannibalism, over 300 people in KZN admitted to eating human flesh lately here in South Africa. Femicide, sexual offences have gone up, 12,000 rape cases recorded between October, November, December last year. Three months, 12,000 rape cases. Those are only the ones that have been recorded. 120,000 victims in the first three weeks of the lockdown with regards to gender-based violence. Three weeks, 120,000 women being violated in South Africa. Murders, 21, 22,000 murders a year in South Africa. 58 people every day on average gets murdered back here. We have the gambling issues, we have the cruelty to animals. Just sit and chat to some of your friends um, about what's happening in different cultures in South Africa with regards to animal cruelty, it is sickening. When I speak to my young soldiers for Christ group in Flipiable, I want to get sick when I hear about the way even animals are treated. Ephesians 5 verse 11 have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So here in South Africa, we've been disobedient to God's word. And quite frankly, I'll go as far as saying that I believe we're living under God's curse in South Africa. And the Bible's very clear that there's blessings for obedience to His Word and there are curses applicable for disobedience. Well, during the 80s and 90s, literally very little of the body of Christ in South Africa was standing up to take a stand against any of the issues. I've just mentioned a couple this morning. But there was a small remnant. There was United Christian Action, later uh, the Christian Action Network, uh, Christians for Truth. But literally this was a small remnant. The church was silent in South Africa. 
And the small remnant was extremely effective. We would have been far worse off in many of the laws that were passed if we had remained silent. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it was a small remnant. We were the exclusions. We were the ones that were trying to cause trouble. We were the ones that were um, you know, dissatisfied with the way things were when we stood up for righteousness and truth. And uh, these groupings marched 30,000 people to Parliament uh, just to get God's name in the Constitution, which we weren't happy with how it was worded, but, but we did that. We came before multiple parliamentary committees, um, organized life chains, um, standing against prostitution, being prostitution evangelism. Um, Peter was thrown with urine all over his body in an outreach to prostitutes in Seapoint. Another friend of mine, Johan Pietrus van Sale, in Durban, on an outreach to prostitutes, was thrown over the bonnet of a car uh, by a pimp, and his nose was broken with the way the pimp punched him. And later he had to have an operation on his nose. So we were tough guys, even although we fat short and bald now. But these were some of the exciting things that we did. But we, we tried to stand up. There weren't many of us around. But generally, the body of Christ the Christian churches in South Africa were perceived to be weak and irrelevant. That's just the way it was. And so come along COVID 2020. Now, the government had already, government of the day has already been preparing for some exciting things. They have an agenda to keep the church, the body of Christ, quiet in South Africa. They've been extremely successful. Loads and loads of Bible colleges have been closed in South Africa. You can't find any statistics on this. Nobody talks about it. All the churches who had their Bible colleges closed are dead silent, not saying a word about it. But this has happened. They've literally gone around and closed the Bible colleges down. And uh, Peter's friend has a college up in Kumbalanga area, and he's had the government say to him, you are next. We will close you down. And he's changed his name. He's changed all kinds of things at the Bible College to try and fit in with the law or to negate the issues that they are throwing at him. So by the time COVID came, it was really easy to close the churches. They already closed all the Bible Colleges and not a single word was said. Come along COVID, well, the close the churches down. We all just kept quiet and did what we were told. Well, then they went a bit further. Those who opened, they beat the people and they shot them with rubber bullets, the congregation members. And then they arrested some of the pastors. And my friend Saliku here has publicly stated that pastors in the townships who are trying to go to help the sick, to minister to families who had a death in the family, they arrested the pastors because they didn't have a permit. Well, not all churches are non-profit companies and where could have access to permits on the internet. In fact, in our ministry, we, uh, we gave ourselves permits and uh, we had our own permits that we signed ourselves and gave ourselves permission to carry on with God's work. So the state has no authority to suspend the functioning of Christ's sovereign rule over his church or our biblical service to him. They have no authority in this area. In fact, with our ministry that we're doing during COVID, we're feeding people in multiple areas. Part of the COVID laws forbade you, forbade you from feeding people. Can you believe this? There had to be a court case in South Africa against the government to allow 
people to carry on. So there we were, we just carried on feeding. But literally, we could have been locked up in jail for that. But this is the kind of nonsense that was going on. I mean, honestly, to tell people you can't feed the poor, who the hell do they think they are? Well, <clears throat> these are some of the commands in Scripture to us. And this is what our conscience should be captive to now. This is where the battle is right now in South Africa. We commanded by God to observe the Sabbath, the Sabbath rest, and keep it holy. He commands us to gather around the word and receive communion. He commands us further not to give up meeting together. He commands us to make disciples of all the nations, to teach them and to baptize them, to lay hands on and to send out missionaries. The elders are commanded in the church to pray over and anoint the sick with oil. We are required in scripture to sing together, to greet one another, to bear one another's burdens, and to exercise church discipline. Now, how do all these manage to take place over a computer screen while you're sitting with your, in your lounge in your pajamas with your feet up drinking coffee while the service is on the TV? We have no right as Christians to flee or abandon our post when times get difficult. And Martin Luther wrote something really interesting about this in a letter entitled, Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague. And I'll quote from Martin Luther. Those who engage in the spiritual ministry, such as preachers and pastors, must likewise remain steadfast before the peril of death. We have a plain command from Christ. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, but the hireling sees the wolf coming and flees. John 10 verse 11. For when people are dying, they most need a spiritual ministry which strengthens and comforts their consciences by word and sacrament and in faith overcomes death. And considering the fact that we believe in the priesthood of all believers, this should be something all of us should consider, not just the preachers and the pastors. All of us need to be able to stand fast, stand steadfast before the peril of death. So we must obey God before we slavishly obey our bureaucrats who most of the time don't know what they're talking about. On the 26th of March, Friday this year, we took part in a march to Parliament. And so a new grouping that's just started in the last four months called Pastors Against Church Closures. They, uh, movement, I should call it, they're not an organization, they're movement. They protested on the streets of Cape Town uh, regarding the draconian laws, um, keeping the churches um, quiet and closed, uh, curtailing the church services, and they also did the march to pray against the third wave. So this is a grouping of mainly um, Pentecostal and charismatic pastors around South Africa. The organization or the movement is growing in leaps and bounds. And so this was actually a national protest in lots of different provinces. Um, they couldn't obviously all march to Parliament, but they went to the administrative buildings in their different provinces, and here in Cape Town, we marched to Parliament. Well, like all things African, the march to Parliament in Cape Town was loud, it was vibrant. The marches were led by a small truck with speakers that were bigger than the truck. <laughs> Generator on the back, and our friend here, Pastor Sumiku, was standing on the back 
preaching the gospel. He looked like a, a surfer or a skateboarder trying to keep his balance. Um, and he preached all the way through from the beginning to the end. Um, the preaching was so fervent that people were coming out of their offices and raising their hands in worship to the Lord as uh, they heard this preaching and this crowd walking past. Uh, others came and joined in. Others were shouting hallelujah. A bunch just left their, their offices and, and followed us right to the end of the march. Um, just really very, very uh, exciting time. I think there were three of us white guys amongst everybody. So we stuck out like a sore thumb. But uh, wow, man, I said to Pastor Sonico afterwards, I said, I don't think there are any more, um, uh, any more evil spirits left in Cape Town after that preaching on the back of this truck. But very, very exciting time. But we were met by a barrage of policemen with all their anti-riot gear, massive trucks, and all their shields 100 meters from Parliament. But somehow, uh, COVID can catch you if you go 100 meters towards Parliament. But anyway, the interesting thing too is that um, before the march, it's actually legal to, to have marches during COVID according to the, um, the unpassed by Parliament COVID laws. But either way, um, the leader of this movement, um, Advocate um, Mo Africa, uh, took the government to court and got a court interdict against the government interfering with marches. So marches are actually legal in South Africa now, even under the illegal COVID laws. So they reminded the police about this right at the beginning of the march. And uh, the police were actually quite friendly. They, they uh, over their PA system, they wished us a good and safe march uh, to Parliament. Well, the marches uh, led us, uh, when we got to the, uh, the 100 meters from Parliament, we were led in a time of prayer and repentance before the Lord, humbly bowing before God, literally people on their knees in the street, lying prostrate before the Lord, on, in the, on the dirty tar, um, as we were led in prayer by uh, Pastor Sinico. What really got my attention was the extreme um, extremely specific sins that he prayed about. And he prayed about a lot, and he's a charismatic party, prayed, prayed a long prayer, but what really stuck out to me uh, was out there in the open, in front of the police, in front of the president's attaché who was sent to collect a memorandum, Pastor Sinico prayed against the national sins of abortion, the legalizing of homosexual marriages, and the worship of foreign gods. Now, most of us don't even want to talk about these things in public. We, we're too scared. We want to be too politically correct. Ephesians 6 verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. And so, the Pastors Against Church Closures, this movement has been getting a lot of media attention, they're standing up against wickedness in our society. Um, in the last four months, they've been supporting gospel artists. They're standing up against church attacks by bad guys. Uh, Pastor Sinico has been shot three times in his own church. Um, three shots at him. Um, they were involved in the public prayer um, outside parliament against the third wave. Um, there's a massive, massive move towards unity amongst the pastors in South Africa. They're fighting against church brutality by the South African police services. They've laid charges against policemen that have been uh, brutally attacking Christians, shooting them with rubber bullets. 
they're speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Uh, one of the uh, leaders in South Africa is going to court, I believe, this week, um, where she was having, uh, a woman pastor was having church services that the police physically came and closed down and, and beat up, as in the people were bleeding, the way the police beat them up uh, in the church service. Um, they're standing against the church lockdowns, they've done marches to parliament, um, and they are running endeavors or conferences around the country, getting the pastors to unite against the wickedness that they see around them. Many years ago, when I was still young and had hair on my head, there was a minister called Jay Naidu, and he was the minister without portfolio in South Africa. One of the things he tried to do many years ago was to register churches. This is soon after the African National Congress came to power in South Africa. And Dr. Ed Kane, the late Dr. Ed Kane, wrote a signpost newsletter on this issue. Well, nobody cooperated. No churches would register. They just point blank refused. Well, they had it again. You can't even find this information on the internet. It's as quiet as anything. But they started by having a meeting in Pumalanga, I believe, and they invited a bunch of pastors there. And how interesting is this? They will help you register your church with government. And guess what? They can then give you money. So if you register the way you want, they will help you register for free. And they will give you money from the state coffers if you register with the government. Isn't that nice of them? So what they do is they tax the congregation members to death, they steal the money through wicked taxation, the poor congregation members have virtually nothing left to pay tithing with, and then they buy the church leaders in the church by giving them their stolen money back through the state coffers. Well, through the, this um, movement, we've been uh, passing around this book, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates, Proper Resistance to Tyranny, and a repudiation of unlimited obedience to civil government by Pastor Matt Truella, who you'll be learning, uh, hearing from a little bit later today. And another friend, uh, Joel um, Saint in America, sent us a hundred of these and we've been passing them out around through um, this new movement. And I was told by the advocate, who's the national leader of the movement, that he set up a bunch of questions. His pastors have been studying this book and he said, particularly chapter 10, he said, has been a massive challenge to our pastors. They're debating these issues. They're considering it. They're talking about it. And so a bunch of them went to the first meeting held by government on church registration. He said, but we were ready for them. We had a bunch of questions to the state. Well, to cut a long story short, from what I can understand is because of the questions the pastors were asking, the whole meeting was closed down. And we haven't heard of any others happening yet around the country, but who knows what's going to happen. So there they were, they disrupted the whole meeting with these questions. And apparently he tells me that his pastors have concluded that our government is tyrannical and needs to be resisted. The majority of these Pentecostal and Charismatic pastors, they're standing up and we are no longer silent. We're seeing people standing up all over South Africa. 